Welcome back to the Wrath of Khan Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and discuss Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan one minute at a time. I'm David Stoker. And I'm Chris LaSalle. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dave. Happy Friday. Yes, it is a happy Friday. End of the week. Yeah. TGIF. Yes. Uh, we are on to Minute 96, and we are once again joined by co-host Alex Robinson from the Star Wars Minute. Welcome hey, back, everybody. Alex. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. From Hell's Welcome Heart. <laughs> Coming to you live from Hell's Heart. It's Alex Robinson. That's me. As I said, we're on Minute 96, and this minute starts with Reliant continuing to explode and ends with McCoy saying, Jim, I think you better get down here. Oh, there you go. Uncanny. <laughs> uh, 23 seconds this explosion lasts. Let's talk about this explosion. I have many questions. Uh, what? You have questions? We only I have time for, time for two questions. So my first question is, where do the rings come from? Uh, I, uh, the I say that is the that is the Genesis wave. Really? Yeah. So in the simulations that we saw earlier in the movie, those don't appear. <laughs> uh, I'm debunking you your theory. <laughs> Man, all these years I thought they were the Genesis wave. I think they are the result of the ex- the explosion in the Motara Nebula. Hmm. Okay. Because you, as soon as the explosion hits, you see the Botire Nebula sort of disappear. But then as you pull out, as the Enterprise is zooming across, you see the Motara Nebula again, and you see sort of the rings in the middle. And I feel like that's sort of like the nebula sort of... Ripples? Ripples through it, yes. Oh, or is it re-coalescing or something into starting to turn into the planet? Oh, maybe. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Alex? Well, I also think it's weird that the 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 rings don't like. Um, I guess maybe they just didn't have the technology to do. But the rings don't seem to like. They just kind of appear. They don't like radiate out from the thing. You know what I mean? Like if it ripples, you'd think would start at the center and kind of move out. But these just kind of like fade in at the spot they are. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. don't like. Uh, they don't like ripple out from the city. Yeah, I can't think of any other way to explain it. But uh, no, yeah, no, I get, you. I get what you're saying. Yeah, they just sort of appear at that mo- at that spot in space. Yeah. They look like a they look like a time lapse of a ripple. Yeah, kind no. of. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna. I don't know. That's a good question. Is uh, um, but 23 but seconds going back is, to the is, act- a, is a long time for an explosion. So my second question actually is for you, Alex. How does uh-huh. this explosion compare to, say, an explosion of the Death Star? Um, I think it goes a little bit back to the first um, Star Trek, where they're spending a little too much time focusing on it. Like, you know, everyone said the, the one of the problems with Star Trek, the first one is that they would kind of like, oh, here's the ship. Now let's spend 10 minutes looking at the ship. And they would linger too lovingly on um, and I feel like this is a similar thing where, although I don't know, maybe seeing in the theater, the catharsis of it blowing up, everyone would be like, wow. And, you know, like be applauding and standing up and stomping their feet and stuff. So you couldn't just go right back into them talking. You would need to give the audience some time to relax and calm down. But uh, I feel like it's a little, a little lingery, but it looks okay. It looks cool. And I like the rings. I think that's a cool effect. Um, See, I, I'm a huge fan of this explosion. Hmm. And, okay. And, 
Oh, wait, I, don't get me I, don't get me wrong, Chris. I think it's cool too. I just still have questions. Well, I I I, I like it. I and I and the, the 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 question I had or the thoughts I was had. I went the same place. Dave was thinking about the Death Star explosion, and not the you know not the re-release you right know, with the pra- praxis effects that they stole from Star Trek Six. Uh, but um, but it made me think about like, oh, are there other have there been other really great sci-fi explosions that stick out and the the first one that jumps into my head is is the death star but yeah. the next one that jumps into my head is is actually also in a new hope um is the tie fighter that the last uh, tie fighter the last tie fighter right that explosion is amazing <laughs> and i don't i never understood why they didn't use that one for the death star exploding I actually, believe it or not, I have criticisms of the Death Star explosion. Uh, mostly that I, it annoys me that it just kind of like vaporizes instantaneously. Whereas I guess I would have liked to have seen like uh, like chunks of it. You know what I mean? Like sure. get the sense of it being exploded from the inside as opposed to being taken away and replaced by an explosion. Which is, you know, obviously how they did it. They just they just cut from that thing to a shot of an explosion. Uh, you know, a shot of the model, then replaced by a shot of an explosion. So I never really got the sense that it was the Death Star itself blowing up. But uh, mm. not that I didn't get a sense of it, but I, I kind of I thought it would have been cool to be able to see, you know, like that. Uh, I think the one in Jedi is even worse because that one really feels like they just cut away from it really quickly. So anyway, yeah, I would agree with that one. Yeah. It's my job to be a nitpicker. So uh, yeah, yeah, you find you find out when you're when you do these a minute at a time, you really nitpick. Well, you kind of have to. You gotta, you gotta come up with material, you know. You can't just be like, "Yeah, that was really." Otherwise, you turn into uh, Chris Farley, being like, "Oh man, remember when that Death Star blew up? That was so cool," you know. <laughs> you have to, you have to be hypercritical to uh, for it to work. So, right. luckily, I was already hypercritical, so I it was, I was well suited to the uh, to the format. Well, speaking of being critical, um, one thing I don't like is as the Enterprise, we get the we get the however long it was, 23 seconds of explosions. Uh, but you get another shot of the uh, the Enterprise warping away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound effect of it, the, the, the whooshing. Mm-hmm. Whoosh. Not a fan not of the whooshing? A, not a fan of the whooshing. Whoosh. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know. Really? It seems, I like it. It seems, it seems lazy to me. <laughs> they could have been a little more creative with it. I don't know. And they do it a couple mm-hmm. of times in this minute. And it's, yeah. Nope. I feel like you're supposed to be, you know, where, you know, you're looking at the explosion in the rings. I feel like it's just sort of the, I, I that's not my major focus is the Enterprise zooming away. It's not? No. You're watching the rings. <laughs> I'm watching, I'm, I'm tunneling into where the rings are bringing me. I, I think that's t- what it's desi- designed to do as we yeah. stumble over each other again. <laughs> I can see both of your points of view. Uh, I think there's something about the sound that sounds like uh, I don't dislike it, but it does sound like um, I don't know, like from a obvious bank of sound effects or something. You know what? You know. Okay, I think I got it. It it sounds like a sound effect they would have used in the original series in the late '60s. It doesn't sound unique to the Enterprise. No. But uh, but also I kind of it kind of doesn't it doesn't I I, I can see what you mean it doesn't particularly bother me but I can see how it's uh, 
I could see how what you mean about it. Uh, so my note was they're cutting it pretty close, even with that warp. I think the uh, you know it looks like in that last shot you, they are barely outside those rings, which I assume those rings would be. Do we think those rings would be deadly rings? I, it's hard to D. say. We don't really know what we don't know what's causing them, so we don't know what their effect would be if they were in the uh, rings. Right. If they were behind those rings, would they be in trouble still? Well, when they cut to the Enterprise and they're looking at the rearview mirror, it, like the rings don't seem like they're catching up to them or anything at that point. No. Yeah. Um, well, they're still they're focused on the glowing heart that's in the middle of the, you know, which is what exactly. That's the. Your yeah, planets? that's right. I was wondering that too. Is it the, is it the planet or is it the star? Right, because there, there ends up being a star as well. Wait a minute. When the ship blows up, it turns into a star. When well the when the no, it turns into the planet. But the planet also has a star. We're jumping ahead, but when we yes, see the planet jumping, later, yeah, we're jumping way ahead. But so again, I have questions. Um, <laughs> Because the the Genesis device was meant as a torpedo to be used on a planet. So an existing formation is there. You know, it has the crust and the molten and the, the core, and it's a planet. Here you have a ship that blows up and forms into a planet. How how does that oh. happen? Is the, it, you, go ahead, Alex. No, so the thing they're looking at on the screen is a planet. That's. I believe it's the planet forming. It's going through the quote Genesis effect of forming the, the basic matrix of the planet. Weird. Yeah, that makes no sense because you're right. They would need a basic kind of like template to put the planet stuff on it. Yes, you need. Yes, you guys are freaking me out right now. Well, we're well. Okay, then I'm going to ask you, Chris. So if this, let's just say this isn't the planet. This is the sun or the star. Where does okay. the planet come from? Well, because the, they call it they call it the Genesis planet. Right. Uh, I think uh, uh, my my head is spinning right now because of these ideas you're throwing out. Uh, so I think that the Genesis device, when they toss it into a planet or they toss it into and it explodes, it does all of its, you know, uh, uh, all the changes it makes to the matrix. I think it builds itself a planet and an, and, and a sun. What? Now that seems crazy. A planet <laughs> and a sun? Who well, ever does such a thing? I, well, we know that happens because of the when they go into the Genesis cave, there is some sort of sun-like item in the in the cave. But we just theorized that was a window. Yeah, but I, this, this okay, makes well, no sense to me. Why would it form a sun <laughs> and a planet? We can't have a. You can't have a. They're just in a nebula, right? You can't. There's no. There's no. There was no sun, and there's no system here, not that we know of. Well, I mean, unless they're saying that the shock wave of the Genesis thing basically make turns the nebula into a. It forms a. It's not the. It's not the thing of Genesis. It's the fact that it was done in a nebula, which then turned into you know made the gas coalesce into a sun the way any other sun is formed. You know. But sure, this, it, yeah, it seems think, like any any big explosion could have done that. It doesn't seem like it's unique to Genesis. So is this so someone on our our Facebook um had posted and said you're getting about the part of a fatal flaw. Is this the fatal flaw that they were talking about that you're creating a planet in a sun? I don't know. 
because I, okay, I believe that the Reliant explodes with the torpedo and forms the planet. Okay. They're in the Regula system because they were just at Regula before they went into the Motara Nebula. So I believe that there's some sort of star or sun-like object that is going to become the Genesis planet sun. I don't think it forms a star. Okay, I'll, I'll stick with that. I think uh, the star is it. there. It happens to be a happy coincidence that the that it blows up in a, in the proximity of a star. This makes okay. no sense whatsoever. They're in the middle of a nebula. <laughs> but wait, which one of you said? So my all this whole time we're talking, one of you said that we thought the planet was being created from the ship. Oh, I don't. I, I, it it might have been me, but I, I or I don't know, but. It's that would in be a the, tiny little planet, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, because it makes no. This whole thing makes no sense because there's no planet to begin with. There's n- no matrix. There's no formation. There's nothing. All right, let's get there's back the to nebula, the nebula. When they do the first, when they show that that the computer simulation of the Genesis going over that moon, they're basically saying you can take an unlivable planet, put the Genesis thing on it, and turn it into a livable planet, right? Yes, yes, yes. They don't say it doesn't say it forms a planet or or nope. A star certainly could not be. So I don't know why suddenly now you were assuming that it's forming a planet. I assume that, that 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 thing they were just looking at was the kind of reliant like burning up or. Like the the Genesis bomb was kind of like slowly burning out or something. So we know it's a planet because we. I'm going to fast forward here. I'm going to push the fast forward button. Go to the next movie because the planet is because of the. I believe the way it was created, it was so unstable that it it blows up. Weird. My theory on that one, since we're talking about it, since you went there, Dave, is that I, I felt like we had to. Well, it, in the the. Uh, the, the logic they use, I think, in, the, in Star Trek III um, is that the Genesis uh, program, they use some faulty kind of materials and they were cutting corners. And so whatever, Genesis never worked. The, they, they, were all, they were wrong about it the whole time. And that's why the planet becomes unstable. I thought they could have just used the fact of what we're talking about right now is that they detonated it in the middle of a nebula. And it's not a planet, right? They they didn't, yeah, they didn't it was, set it off on a planet. They set it off in a big cloud of gas, and whatever got f- created from that gas. Yeah, I feel like Nicholas Myers set them up, set them up perfectly for the next, for that, for that, you know, that happening was here. You have uh, the Genesis device blowing up, creating a planet that's so unstable because there was no matrix for it to build on. It just, and, and maybe part of that is the way it was created. Maybe they did cut corners and. You know that that's the result of why you you got the planet to begin with. I went to um, the so I went to Wikipedia and looked it up, and they say <laughs> the explosion of Genesis causes the gas in the nebula to reform into a new planet capable of sustaining life. So they okay. they they are saying it's a new planet. I don't think that is well illustrated in the movie, like the, that that that's what's happening. So yeah. do you think that the rings are even though we don't see it? They're from the nebula, and they're sort of pulling into the planet? Yes. So that makes no sense I either, because you think that <laughs> an explosion would push stuff away from the... from the. It would, it would push the nebula away, not, not no, no, coalesce I to- into itself. I totally agree with you. Yeah. 
I guess they just didn't have I, the effects I, of because now you can obviously do that pretty easily show a planet being formed, but maybe back then they they just couldn't. Uh, it was just beyond their scope. Well, they were hampered by budget. Yeah, that is true. They were cutting corners everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I do like though that the three of us are trying to take our science and our science fiction and and have them both at the same time. <laughs> Well, it just it yeah. just angers me that I'm willing to cut corners. I'm willing to forgive them for cutting corners on the science, you know, space, sound, and space, and all that stuff. But it just frustrates me that, in terms of movie clarity, that that that's not apparent what's happening. So, yeah, I, I think we all had had opinions. I mean, and you you know, Wikipedia we know is right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so I guess. I, it, I believe well, if it. any Wikipedia entry is going to be well curated, it's stuff having to do with Star Trek. So I think we're probably safe to say that's uh, okay. Well played. So, so since since we're all confused about what we're seeing, maybe that explains this next scene when we cut back to the bridge, and Carol Marcus uh, uh, walks onto the bridge. She's wearing her boyfriend's coat, uh, her ex boyfriend's coat, looking all you know very comfortable but she looks at the screen and uh, i would have thought that this is like the culmination of her life's work right where they they detonated this thing and this and there, there's no she has barely any reaction i think she would be like she should be like yes it worked but maybe she's well, just so as confused everyone. what am i looking at yeah but she's like is that the planet or did it form a sun or what am i <laughs> i think nobody <laughs> nobody I- seems like they've just gotten out of a life or death situation everyone's reactions look pretty much the same way they were a minute ago when they thought they were going to die they're all just kind of looking on with a kind of stoic wonder right well no one more stoic than kirstie alley with her hand on her chin just sort of gazing at it in wonder well she's a vulcan that makes sense or half. Yes. Is she a full Vulcan? She's a full Vulcan, right? She is not. Oh, she's half Vulcan too? She She's half Vulcan, half Romulan. No. Get out of here. You're pulling my leg. It's 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 one of those things, Alex. It's not technically canon uh-huh. because it's, it's only mentioned like behind the scenes and in the novelization, but it's never now, actually said on film. Now, Chris, we did hear from Kirstie Alley herself, and she did... <laughs> Put it in print to say that. Does that Vulcan count? Romulan. D- does that hey, count? She played Savic. She quoted it, so I'm taking it as gospel. <laughs> All right. Kirstie Alley on Twitter said she's half Vulcan, half Romulan, hmm. which answers some questions in some upcoming minutes. Yes. Did you guys already um, discuss which Savic you like better? Oh my God! Many times. Many times. Yes. Okay. Kirst- Kirstie Alley. Do you, do you have a favorite, Alex? I guess Kirstie Alley. More so than... <laughs> uh, who's the other one? Robin somebody? Robin Curtis. Robin Curtis. There you go. I get half credit. But, yeah, yeah. No, this is... She, she, she nails it, and Robin Curtis is just... Pales in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, back to you... Go ahead. I was just going to say, going back to your comment, Chris, about, you know, Carol comes on the bridge, and... Do you think she shows no emotion because she's overcome by the awe of her work, her life's work coming to fruition? Like she's seeing it on screen, like like she just can't even. You just can't even. You're she's in like shock. Um, you know, I'm thinking she's probably more angry 
that they did not detonate it on a planet like she wanted. And she's actually biting her tongue <laughs> and saying, this isn't going to work. I know this is going to end badly. That's what I think. So I think she – I'll agree with that last point. I think she knows it's going to end badly because she gives David a look like what's going on here. Oh. And I almost feel like she totally knows that this is bad news. Hmm. Interesting. That's that's pretty subtle. I missed that. The other thing right, is there. the other thing is is that David knew because he was on the bridge that they had detonated the device. She didn't know until she entered the bridge. So this is the first time she's seeing it. Do you think on that's the Enterprise could... there's like a um <clears throat> a way where if you're in your cabin you can kind of see what they're seeing on the you know like if you're like hey check out what they're seeing in the bridge turn to channel seven and you'll see you now you're on a plane and they'll say oh you can see it from the pilot's point of view and all that stuff on the screen do you think they have something like that on the enterprise because she would know then that they blew it up if they if they had such a feature i think that, i think so that makes and, sense. uh it does make sense and you know it makes me think of two uh I think he uh, NASA does it, NASA does things like that all the yeah, time. The live right? feeds. As far as, yeah. yeah, live feeds, whether it's audio or video or whatever. And uh, you know, since this is really all just an extension of our future, um, I think you're right. I think that Wait, probably what? the techno that this is all <laughs> this is our future. Alex. Uh, uh, I think that technology would exist. So her reaction is still a mystery. We don't know whether she saw it and is pleased or is like. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. I feel like she's in shock from seeing it. But then she sort of gives David that look almost of it's like this. What happened here? This is this is not good. And even when she walks over to him, she does not look overjoyed. No. So then they get a call from uh, Bones. Yeah. Yeah. And they, Jim. He, he does the time-honored cliche of saying, I think you better come down here and look at this rather than just saying, oh, by the way, you should come down here. Spock's about to die. Like That always annoyed me on Star Trek when they're like, Captain, you better come down here. It's like, all right, I have nothing else to do except run. Can't you just give me a hint as to what's down there? That's my Picard impression. <laughs> in case you could that was your Picard. That's totally Picard. I, I, yeah. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Um, so points against my, bones for doing that. I, I, uh, I, my, my last note here was that, you know, both Kirk and Savick reacted to that mm-hmm. and whether they're having the same reaction Alex is having <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not sure. Um, well, but, yeah, uh, no one else, what, no one else sort of like makes a move about that. But yeah, definitely Savick and Kirk are the only ones who sort of really pause at the at what he says, yeah, and I I I wonder if Savick, even in that moment, knows. I don't think Kirk does necessarily at this moment, but I wonder right. if Savick does. He sense a disturbance in the Force. <laughs> Wrong show. The Vulcan so, Force. <laughs> the Vulcan Force. It's my new crime fighting team. The Vulcan Force. <laughs> Spock, Tuvok, Savick. <laughs> so. Alex, I want who's to ask your you a favorite question. Non, who's your favorite <laughs> non-Spock uh, Vulcan? Oh, non-Spock? Yeah. Non-Spock. Um, oh. Um, I would have said Savick. Uh, yeah. Kirstie Alley Savick. Yeah, Kirstie Alley Savick. She would be number two. Tuvok was good. 
I didn't like. Was it? Was uh? No, it's not Tapal. Who was the one that was in Enterprise? Yeah, that was Tapal. That's Tapal. Think so. I thought that was Spock's wife. I like the guy I from. Know, um, I don't know. The Abraham Lincoln Planet. He's all Spock. Help me, Spock. <laughs> it's like, I think his name is Savick too, or Sarek maybe. Sarek. Sarek's his no, dad. Sarek's his dad. Well, who's the founder of Vulcan philosophy then? You're testing our the limits uh, of our knowledge. Bad tricky moment. Mm, sorry. <laughs> you don't He's like Cybok? Cybok. Which one is he? Ugh. That's Spock's brother. That's Spock's brother. Oh, right. Final Frontier. Share with me your pain. The Laughing Vulcan. <laughs> the Laughing Vulcan. Um, so, I... So, glad you had a question I for me before I interrupted. So, you actually, I have... No, that's okay. I, I have a question for you. Um... We're coming to a big emotional scene, and Chris and I have gone on record as saying that this is like we're probably going to blubber through these minutes when we get to them. So this is like, yeah. for me, I think it's pretty emotional. We're move, we're losing a a very major character. Do you feel like in Star Wars you get that level of emotion in any of the movies? Well, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's possible, but so far I have not felt it personally. I, did, I, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Han Solo died in the last movie. <laughs> and I didn't feel like it had the same the same resonance. But I don't know if that's just because it's it's Star Wars, the weakness of Star Wars, or whether it's just because I generally have a mm. heart of stone. I generally don't get you know emotional when I watch movies and stuff. So, um, so, so it I, might just be I, me. <laughs> I don't have a heart of stone. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I will agree with you that I did not feel the same. Like, obviously, it was bad when, you know, I felt bad when Han Solo dies. But it was nowhere near the level of grief I felt when Spock dies. Do you... I'm wondering if just because Spock as a character, I think, particularly um, resonates with nerds. Uh, no, no. And I mean that I'm a nerd myself. But, you know... Uh... I don't know if that's part of it that he he was such a um a kind of cool role model for a lot of um uh you know nerdish people because he was smart and he was outside of the regular society and and all that stuff so maybe he hasn't added like did you feel that way when Kirk died in in I absolutely did not so no well that's partially because they did such a horrible job yeah on the movie but that's beside the point um, but no, I agree with you. I feel like there's a difference in this movie with the way, and obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, um, yeah, I, maybe it's Leonard Nimoy, the way he portrayed Spock and how we feel about him. You know, yes, we, I totally agree with that. And I think he died in, in a, like he really, he literally sacrifices himself. He, he's not in a fight with anyone the way Kirk was or the way Han Solo was trying to convince his son, like, like Spock literally no, does that knowing he's going to die and does it to help everyone else. So maybe it has an added emotional resonance that he's a, a, such a selfless character. It's not like it's not like when Han Solo went out there, he knew he was going to die or Kirk knew he was going to die. And we all knew it. But Right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say yeah. we knew. Yeah, but it's not like Kirk knowingly went in there and said, well, I'm going to do this because even though I know I'm going to die, I have to do this to save everyone else. It was just kind of like, you know, he thought he, I'm sure he did not think he was going to go in there and get killed. 
I can't think of any pop culture characters who died that I was like, wow, that was really like powerful in that way. I, I've, I've thought about this a lot over the years of, of why it's so, it's so striking. And, and yeah, I do, I get emotional and I, you know, been emotional just talking about these lead up minutes. Um, but I was also, I, I wonder if part of it is because this at the time, this wasn't something that happens a lot. You know, this and also is, you didn't necessarily know uh, he was coming you know, back. No. Yeah. Well, although I, I think I walked out of the theater with hope in my heart, you know, based on the way the whole film ends, yeah. but it was, but I think at the time that wasn't, I mean, it seems to happen more frequently nowadays that you, know, you get, you know, major deaths of, of these, you know, pop culture icons and, uh, yeah, that's um, true. But this might have been, might have been, I, and I, I, I should have done better homework, but this might have been one of the first big ones. And uh, so it was, it was, you know, out of character for for films of the time to like, oh my God, they just killed off a major character. This isn't Chekhov or, you know, Sulu, some of the secondaries. This is the prime character. <laughs> um, right. No, I, and, yeah. I, I mean, even in Star Wars, when, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi dies, I mean, you sort of, you don't, I, I never felt like total grief you know, at his passing, obviously because he sort of, you know, guides Luke at the end there. But yeah, this is a major player. Hmm. Do you think it, do you think it was a mistake to bring him back? Dramatically, I mean, obviously there was some good, some, a few good other Spock stories after that, but do you think overall it would have been stronger if they just kept him dead? I think it would have been stronger if they, if the ending of this film was different, where they left it, you know, unambiguous you know is, is ambiguous at the right word they, they definitely gave you drop some hints that no oh, he might be back yeah um i think dramatically would have been much better just leave it like wow they killed spock he's dead right um, yeah and yeah, then if you left thinking yeah. yeah i agree totally with you chris there but uh no when they brought him back i, I didn't have a problem with it i was i was happy yeah, you're right, though. It's yeah. probably part of it, the fact that now it's such a an event, and we all know when a lot of characters are going to die on movies and TV shows and stuff. And I guess it still doesn't happen that frequently for a, for a movie to kill off one of its... Because now we're all like, well, they're not going to kill off Spock because they have too many, you know, too much merchandising involved. You know, like, you know, right. Batman's never going to die because, you know, they have stuff to sell. So, so I guess it must have been pretty shocking for its time. Agreed. Well, boys, what a, what a bummer note to end this on. I know. Yeah, I really. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch something happy this weekend to cheer myself back up. <laughs> you should watch Star Trek. Uh, you know, so, can you guys still watch Star Trek? Like, would you watch uh, the Search for Spock now, or are you just going to save it for when you guys are going to? I want to watch it one time through mm-hmm. uh, before we before we move on and try to break it down. Right. Um, I did that. I did that with this with this film and. Uh, I did not. I, I've, I've been watching it one minute at a time. So I think I'm going to do that again for when we move on to the next, the next movie. Yeah, we did, not, we did not rewatch uh, our move, uh, Attack of the Clones before we started covering it. Nor would you want to. <laughs> well, there's definitely some times where I'm like, I don't remember. Is there a scene later on where they address why he's doing this or something? So I think it could be helpful, but uh, I don't get paid enough to watch Attack of the Clones twice. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, Alex, why don't you, uh, one last time, we can uh, let folks know where they can find you online. Uh, StarWarsMinute.com is the name of the podcast I host with my friend Pete the Retailer. You can find it at StarWarsMinute.com and iTunes and wherever good podcasts are downloaded. 
And uh, yeah, if you like this show but want to hear more about Star Wars, then you should definitely check it out. For sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I just uh, want to say thanks, Alex, for for being here this week. We had a had a great time and uh, honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Yes, oh, thank was, you. This makes me want to rewatch the whole movie again now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I will be doing it immediately when we finish the series. Yes, yes, um, definitely. So yeah, well, great. Well, thanks again, Alex. Um, folks, you can uh, you can find us online too, uh, rathaconminute.com, uh, Twitter, we're WOKMinute. Uh, if you want to go out to iTunes and leave us a, a review and a rating, we'd appreciate the feedback. Love to hear uh, uh, what we can be doing better, or what, we, what we're doing right. Um, and uh, we're going to be back again here on Monday with Minute 97 of Star Trek II here at the Rathacon Minute. Rathacon Minute.